when you have great coaches, then after you have great coaches, you get great players. You have a great organization, and you tell them one thing. Just win, David. Listening to Just Pod Baby, a Las Vegas Raiders podcast brought to you by SilverAndBlackToday.com. And now your host, Evan Grote. Let's go, Raider Nation. Welcome back to Just Pod Baby. After a week off, it was an unplanned week off. I'll tell you a little bit more about that in just a moment, but I'm happy to be back here with you guys talking some Raiders football. Just Pod Baby is brought to you by Silver and Black Today. The website that started it all and has developed into so much more. Speaking of that website, silverandblacktoday.com, check it out. Our first mock draft is up there now, available for you by our one of our writers, Nick Cothrell. Take a look. Let us know what you think. Of course, we are now part of Raider Nation Radio as well, the flagship station for your Las Vegas Raiders. Check me out. I co-host every Thursday now during the offseason with Scott. Um, and also, if you don't already, check out Silver and Black Today on YouTube. Subscribe to the channel. We uh, we did a live video chat Sunday night. It was Scott, myself, and Chaz, his former co-host. And uh, I know Scott's planning on doing some more of that in the near future, and you don't want to miss out on that content. So make sure you subscribe to that channel as well. So as I said, I was planning to record a show for you guys last week. I actually did record the interview for for the uh, for the show, uh, and that interview was with the newest member of the Ford Hall of Fans, uh, Mr. Wayne Mabry, the Violator. And uh, you know, I know I'm a little bit late to the game now this week talking about some of that news with the Hall of Fame, but I do want you to to, to hear the interview. So later in the show, you will hear from the Violator, and you're gonna get some of his thoughts and feelings on, on you know where he's at right now, being inducted into the Hall of Fans. Just a great honor for him, and 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 very well deserved. But what I want to share with you guys is just a little personal story here. What happened to me last week? And some of you may already know because I put it out there on Twitter. But as you know, I'm a school teacher. And so here in New York State, and I'm not sure if this is the case in other states, but teachers here in New York State are were prioritized um, as part of phase one of their COVID vaccine rollout. We're considered essential workers. So anyhow, I had my first vaccination about three weeks ago. And with the Moderna vaccine, you need two shots. And they so they separate them by, you know, three weeks, 21 days. So last week on Wednesday, I went in for my second shot. And then I had heard, you know, through through the grapevine that there was a possibility some people had been experiencing some, some symptoms, some flu-like symptoms, really, uh, with fever, in some cases, chills, body aches, and whatnot, after getting that second vaccination. And it happened to me. So, so I was, uh, I was out of commission for about 24 hours and for some people it lasts a little bit longer up to 48 hours. Um, but for me it was just, just 24 hours. Uh, but it was not a fun experience, but, um, you know, definitely better than the alternative of course, but I'm happy. Um, I'm feeling much better. Like I said, I was only 24 hours. I'm happy to be fully vaccinated now. And it's really interesting because, you know, there's really no method to or method to the madness to to who it who has the the symptoms once they get the shot. I mean, my wife, for example, had the same vaccination on the same day and she felt totally fine. So um, there, there's really no no method to it. Um, but that's just that's science, right? That's how it all works. And you know, I'm aware that 
that's just your body's way of kind of building up the the defense against the virus. So uh, again, happy to have it done um, and feeling good that I, I'm, I'm safer than I was a week ago from, from this damn virus. But uh, okay, so that was my little personal story. Let's get to some football now. That's why you guys tune into the show. Slow week for, for Raiders news, but... Um, did get some some league news this week on Thursday. Uh, first thing I want to talk about here at the top of the show is the the, the, the second domino in, in the quarterback carousel has now fallen uh, this offseason. And I think we're going to see a, a record number of quarterbacks um, moving to new teams, trades, uh, you name it. We're, we're going to see a lot of turnover this year with the quarterbacks. Carson Wentz, who was the guy we kept on hearing about, the Eagles were hoping to land a first-round pick for him. That is not what they got. Uh, they did finally make a move. They traded Carson Wentz to the Indianapolis Colts for a third-round pick in 2020 in a conditional future second-round pick, which I read could turn into a first-round pick. And I got to just tell you my uh, my initial thoughts on the deal. I think the Colts did really well for themselves here. Um, when you think about giving up a, a third-round pick this year, uh, a, a conditional pick um, in the future, they're getting a, a, a 28-year-old quarterback here who has all the talent in the world. I mean, when you look at you know, how to build a quarterback. And this is what you're talking about. He's big, 6'5". He's 237 pounds. He's strong. He's got a very big arm. He can run. He's fast. He can extend plays. Uh, he's got he's got what you need upstairs. Um, and keep in mind, you know, this guy, although he did struggle badly this past season, he's only two years removed for uh, from a, a 4,000-plus yard season with 27 touchdowns. Um, and he and he played very well in the 2019 season as well, where that team was was uh, I believe they got into the playoffs and and were just riddled with injuries. And he was thrown to guys who I've you know never heard of, came off practice squad, weren't with the team at the beginning of the season. So I, I think he he has shown that he's a, a very capable starting quarterback uh, in this league when he's when he's got his mind right and he's, and he's playing well. Now the problem for for Wentz is that this past season in 2020 he was horrendous but I think that had a lot to do with the situation around him a little bit toxic uh the head coach lost his job so um you know things weren't weren't great in Philly it might have been worse than even what people know from the outside I think that he steps into a much better situation in Indy they're they're a playoff team already um They've got a very good offensive line, a good young running back with uh, uh, Jonathan Taylor and, and, and Naeem Hines as a compliment. And uh, I think there's some familiarity there with the head coach and the play caller with, with Frank Wright. And, and so if they can just get him straightened out and, and playing anything close to what he was in his first four seasons, I think they got themselves a real steal here. So we'll just, we'll just have to kind of wait and see how that all plays out in Indy. Now, an interesting little tidbit as well. Um, both think about that 2016 draft uh, year. Both the first and the second overall pick in that class um, have now been traded. Jared Goff and and uh, Carson Wentz. And, and if you recall, 
Both the Rams and the Eagles gave up a bounty to move up in those drafts to acquire those two quarterbacks, and now they're gone after just a couple, you know, a few seasons. And you know, Goff definitely not an elite quarterback by any means, middle of the road, if that. Uh, but he did take the Rams to a Super Bowl. Uh, say what you want, he had uh, you know some some playmakers around him, and the defense was strong and a great head coach, great creative head coach. But he was the quarterback that got them there to that game, so you got to give him some credit there. And and Carson Wentz was playing at an MVP level in 2018 before tearing up his knee. And we know that Nick Foles stepped in, was able to uh, lead that team to a Super Bowl victory. But just interesting to see that, um, you know, two teams who gave up a lot to acquire these players, giving up on them so quickly, um, teams are just not as patient as they once were when it comes to the quarterback position. And I think when you look at what the Eagles did as well, by trading Wentz, they also took on that astronomical number, that cap hit, uh, $33 million, I believe, in, in dead cap. So, And that that is that is insane to think about. I mean, when you think about where the Raiders are in their cap situation, could you imagine eating $33 million? I mean, that, that, that's, hard, that's hard to believe. And then let's move on to the other piece of news this week. Uh, again, came down Thursday, is that the league announced that the salary cap for the 2021 season would be at least $180 million. Um, could go up to $185 million. And so that's that's about $5 million above their original projection, which we thought was going to be $175 million. So that's, that's good news, but it's still going to be a major issue for for a lot of teams across the league uh, to try to get to that number uh, of $180 million. And I was looking on, on online today doing a little research. There's 15 teams right now that are above 180. So that's nearly half of the league that this is, you know, that has to do some work to kind of get to where they need to be. Now, keep in mind that that cap in 2020, that number was $198 million. So when you look at it from a Raiders perspective, there there is some work to be done to get under that $180 million number. Right now, they sit uh, a little over $201 million, meaning they need to shave off at least $21 million just to get to 180. So, so things are going to be tough. Things are going to be tough. If, if you thought the Raiders were going to just go out there and be big spenders and add all these big time free agents, I, I think you should pump the brakes a little bit here and take a deeper look at some of these numbers. So I, I do think it's going to be a a wild four to five weeks here as we inch closer to the the official start of the the new league year, um, and I, and I think what we're going to see is and you're seeing this a lot out there on, on social media, uh, players putting this out there and and, and insiders. I, I think what we're going to see is a lot of players taking one year deals. Uh, in hopes that things will improve, obviously with the cap and that that cap number rises for the 2022 season. You're going to see a lot of these guys sign short-term one-year deals um, just to kind of get through this 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 2021 season with, with the uh, cap being lessened. And, and I even saw one player put out the idea that what you might see is maybe like the kind of like the creation of some super teams almost because if guys know they have the the freedom to go and sign a maybe a one year short term prove it deal maybe you're going to see some guys kind of chase the ring so i thought that was a that was an interesting point uh as well 
Now, before I get into what all this means for the Raiders, let's take a look at just some obvious candidates to get cut here that are on the current roster for the Raiders. We've already heard some of the whispers that Tyrell Williams and LaMarcus Joyner could be on their way out which I think makes a lot of sense. Williams has been hurt too much. He's just struggled to stay healthy. And you combine that with a savings of $11.6 million with no dead cap money. That's the big thing. No dead cap money. It's a no-brainer. So I think he's gone. LaMarcus Joyner, he just hasn't really played that well, right? Maybe he was playing out of position. Uh, You you could say that. I'm not going to say you're wrong about that. Maybe it was Gunther's system. But for whatever the reason, it just has not worked out with the Raiders uh, could he be uh, kind of rejuvenated? Could his career be revitalized under Gus Bradley? It's a possibility, but I don't. I don't think we'll we'll, we'll see that happen. Also, he's going to be 31 years old next season, um, and he will save the team 11.2 million. But he carries a a two and a half million dollar cap hit. But you know that, that's still a very large savings there. So I think. Right there, if if you get rid of just those two players, you you've gotten yourself down to that to that one hundred and eighty million dollar number that you're looking to get to. Um, now they need to bring in some players too, right? You can't just cut all these guys and and you know not have have bodies there and depth to replace them, um, especially on defense. So you have to free up some some extra money. Not you, not only do you got to get to the 180, but you got to free up a little extra money to address some of the needs here on the roster. The next obvious spot would be Marcus Mariota, whether that is through a trade or or just straight up cutting him. That would save 10.75, uh, yeah, seven two five million, 10.725 million. I think we all prefer that happen via trade, right? I mean, that would be the the ideal situation. Most of us were thinking a third round pick maybe a couple weeks ago, but the, that's no longer an option. I think when you look at what the compensation was for Carson Wentz, uh, I, I don't think a third round pick is really possible at this point. I think you're looking at maybe like a fifth round pick. Okay, fifth round pick, and 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 maybe some of you already were thinking that, but I, I was thinking anywhere between a third and a fifth, but I, I'm, I've kind of settled in on on the fifth fifth round pick at this point. I think the next big one after Mariota has to be Trent Brown, and he 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 he's such an interesting one, and I've been pretty vocal that I'd like to keep him. Uh, because he is such a difference maker. And we talked about this today, Scott and I, when we were on with Vinny Bonsignor, uh, you know, beat writer for the Raiders with the Las Vegas Review Journal. He is such a, a difference maker when he's out there, but at the same time, he just has not been, he hasn't been out there, right? He has not been available. And he does carry such a large cap number at $14 million. Um, so that that is certainly makes things really interesting uh, in his scenario. Now, releasing Mariota, Tyrell Williams, and the Marcus Joyner gets them to around $31 million. But remember, $21 million of that money is needed just to get under the cap. Okay, now if you combine that with releasing Trent Brown, that would give them around $24 million to spend in free agency. Um, I'm going to toss a couple more names out there just for you to kind of chew on a little bit. Tell me what you think. Uh, Richie Incognito, he's a guy, again, you've, you've kind of been hearing some buzz as, as a possibility for him. He carries a savings of $5.475 million. And um, a couple other names that may not be on the top of your radar. I mentioned these guys on, on Raider Nation Radio today. Carl Nassib, I think he's a possibility. Think about the fact that he was a healthy scratch two times this year. 
Uh, major disappointment to me. He, he, I was very excited to have this guy as a part of the team. He was coming off of two of his more productive seasons um, as a pro with, with Tampa Bay, back-to-back seasons with, with six sacks. Um, I, I just don't see it. It just, you know, I'm thinking about guys who you're going to get the most bang for your buck with, and I just don't think when you're paying uh, Carl Nassib $9 million for, what, two or three sacks, a rotational pass rusher, that's not bang for your buck. So I, I don't. I, I think he's definitely a candidate to get cut. And the other one that I want you to think about is Jalen Richard. And now I know that would leave the Raiders with only one running back on the current roster as Josh Jacobs, but he would bring a savings of three point five million dollars. And oh, and one other thing I forgot to mention about Carl Nassib, his situation is a little bit trickier because uh, he does carry a, a dead cap hit of five point seven five million. But he would still save the team. million. So, I mean, listen, we're talking about pinching pennies. We're talking about nickel and diamond here, you know, and if it comes down to it, he could be a guy. So, uh, you know, getting back to Richard, don't get me wrong. I like Richard, but for a guy who has seen his, you know, the playing time in his career, the last two years of his career really decreased dramatically since they drafted Josh Jacobs. I mean, 19 catches in 2020. And his role is the third down back. He's just not get. He's just not being used enough. Again, so when I talk about bang for your buck, to me, nineteen catches and and a handful of carries for three point five million dollars. I think you can utilize that money uh, somewhere else. So the so the next question that you you need to ask yourself is what does this all mean for the Raiders? What it means is that they have some tough decisions to make here. We know the defense needs to be priority number one, that it needs to be addressed at all three levels, particularly defensive line on the interior. Right now they have only uh, one guy who signed Maurice Hurst, and actually some some breaking news, they did re-sign David Irving to to a practice squad contract. So they have two defensive linemen, interior defensive linemen, under contract right now. That has to be addressed. I think safety is the next most uh, the next biggest need there on the defense. Um, but you can't neglect the offense as well. I mean, the offense has some areas where they need to add depth and they need to add some, um, possibly even a starter when you talk about the wide receiver. But when you, some of the names I mentioned just a few moments ago, Richie Incognito and Trent Brown could be guys who are let go to free up some money. If you do make a move like that, then you need guys there to replace them. So, you know, you, you, you create cap space, but you create a void because you need you need a body to go there so and I mentioned Nelson Aguilar in the wide receiver position if they don't re-sign him that's another major void there he a lot of production that needs to be um, picked up from someone else do you feel comfortable with Brian Edwards and, and Henry Ruggs stepping in to a much larger role in year two do you feel comfortable doing that I mean, I don't know if I feel so comfortable doing that. So it's going to be a juggling act for Mike Mayock and John Gruden. I think what we're going to see them do is you're going to see them going after some of these tier two free agents, maybe like guys who are in that one B category. You probably won't see them go after those top top flight guys. Those guys are going to go the teams with the most cap money, as they do in a normal uh, a normal offseason or free agency period. But you may just have less teams that are able to compete for some of those guys. Um, and even if the Raiders are able to free up some money, how much money is there going to be? I mean, I just mentioned names at the top of the show. Uh, Williams, Joyner, Mariota, Brown, Incognito. And if you want to toss in Nassib and Richard 
For example, that would give the Raiders around $37 million to spend on free agents. That's really not a a ton of money when you think about it. I mean, it's a decent amount of money, but there's going to be a lot of a lot of holes that need to be filled here, a lot of depth that needs to be added to the roster. What we could see is is maybe some lesser known guys, um, maybe guys who names do not carry the same weight as a free agent like J.J. Watt or Leonard Williams should he hit free agency. Those are the guys that Raider Nation wants to see the Raiders go after, but because of their price tag, um, it, it may not be a possibility. Maybe it's some of these guys that are going to come in four, five, six million dollars a cheaper per year. Um, A guy like Trey Hendrickson from the Saints, a guy like Carl Lawson from the Bengals. These are guys who are productive. If you look at some of these numbers that are out there, um, as far as quarterback hurries and quarterback hits and pressures and even sack numbers. And when you combine that with, with the amount of snaps that they've gotten, these guys are part-time players. They're only playing 50, you know, 40, 50% of the time and and they're productive. So you're going to have to look for bang for your buck. As I said earlier, um, it's possible they could make a, you know, a one or big splash signing, um, and then have to kind of spread out some of that money to fill in some of these other needs. But right now we just don't know, but, but no doubt it is going to be a crazy, uh, upcoming month here in the NFL, and it all starts here with the new league year, uh, I believe the second week in March. Okay, let's get to a break here, and when I return, you will hear my conversation with Raiders superfan Wayne Mabry, a.k.a. The Violator. We are back here on Just Pod Baby, segment two, and I'm looking forward to speaking with our next guest. He's making his second appearance on the show. It's been a while since we last spoke. Uh, I'm going to introduce him as the face of Raider Nation. I really believe he is. Joining us now is superfan Wayne Mabry, a.k.a. The Violator. Wayne, thanks for the time tonight. Welcome to Just Pod Baby, and I'd like to give you a big congratulations for being just one of three fans this year across the entire NFL to be selected to the Ford Hall of Fans at the Pro Football Hall of Fame. Well, thanks, Evan, and uh, appreciate you having me on tonight just to share some of that, those moments with uh, your listeners. Yeah, Wayne, it, it really is a great honor, uh, and you are just so deserving. I, I'm so happy for you when I when I heard the news that you were selected, but I'm also very happy for the entire fan base because I think you represent us so well, and you've been a great spokesman for the fan base over the years. But uh, I'd like to ask you, tell us about... You know, you you knew that you were nominated. What was what was going through your mind though when you when you received the call, uh, when you got the news that you were indeed selected to the to the uh, Hall of Fans? Well, firstly, it's it's one of those kind of pinch yourself moments, and uh, you know, I just looked at it, Evan, as recognition for my years of dedication. Uh, you know. Through thick and thin, just being totally dedicated to the cause, uh, just as a, an ambassador, as the way I look at myself, of bringing people together on a positive note and leaving some positive seeds going out. Now, was it was it David Baker, the president of the Pro Football Hall of Fame, who gave you the call, or, or was it someone else? I see that you tweeted out a photo with him. That's why I ask. Well, I got the knock. And that was the confirmation when David Baker knocked on the door and, uh, you know, walked in the room. Then I knew it was actually official. 
And the only thing left now is for the actual enshrinement ceremony in Canton this coming August. Okay, so you actually got the knock on the door like they do with all the players. I wasn't sure if it was a phone call to the fans or if it was done the same exact way as the players. That's, that's awesome that he actually came to your door. Have they given you any um, any date on when you will be enshrined in in the Hall of Fame? Um, from what I understand, there's going to be a, a kind of a, a separate section uh, in Canton at the Hall of Fame for the Hall of Fans. Is, is there a date selected, and, and are your friends and family going to be able to attend that, that uh, celebration? Well, as far as the date is concerned, we're still waiting for uh, communication between uh, the Hall of Fame and Ford. You know, they're they're together in this whole uh, project. And we'll have our own display. I just call it our own shrine there uh, that David told me that will remain there for, just like the bus forever. That's awesome. That is so awesome, Wayne. And and like I said, I, I, I'm so happy for you on a personal level, but uh, the fact that you represent Raider Nation, which is such a, a well-known fan base uh, uh, throughout the NFL, uh, I'm just so glad that, 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 that the fan base as a whole is getting recognized. And of course, you are, as, as I said earlier, the face of, of the nation. Um, I want you to think back, Wayne, over the, the last 30 years, uh, when you first became a season ticket holder uh, with the Raiders, thinking about the evolution of the character of the Violator from its early stages to, to where it is today. In your wildest dreams, did you ever imagine that it would have led you to so many cool opportunities to meet so many cool people uh, and, and just kind of take you to where you are today? To be honest, to be perfectly honest, I had no dreams of this becoming what it has. Uh, my thing was just to enhance the intensity level at the, at that time at the L.A. Coliseum. I just felt that there was something missing. And, you know, a, a big college football fan, we didn't have that rah-rah attitude at the Coliseum. So my thing was to just unleash some of that experience from high school, college, and what I thought the pros should be like and bring something that would visually stimulate you know, our fans and the opposing fans. And like I say, 20, almost 30 years, it's developed as the years went into what it is right now. Yeah, definitely, definitely visually stimulating. I like the way you put that. Uh, as we all know, it, it was like a staple at Raiders home games where if you're a fan watching from home, they would always pan the camera across the, 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 the famous black hole section. And of course, you were, you were very easy to point out with the, with the trademark face paint going across your face. So definitely, I like the way you put that visually stimulating. Uh, Wayne Mabry is our guest tonight, super fan uh, of the Raiders, an all around great guy, aka the Vi and the newest member of the Ford Hall of Fames, um, Wayne. Wayne, most of the most of people out there, Raider fans, uh, know you as the Violator, uh, of course. But you are also you're a retired union carpenter for over 36 years, and and you have other passions in life other than your your fandom to the Raiders. You're also a very charitable man. Uh, talk to us about some of the great work that you've done over the years with with the uh, with our great veterans and also individuals with special needs. Well, that's really the the most warmest part for me is the part outside of football uh, where I've joined up with this group. Uh, I would just name them uh, Raider Nation Car Club. 
I got hooked up with these guys, and I just watched what they were doing from a distance. But once I got drawn into that circle, and once your heart gets pricked by giving back and serving others, there's a bigger picture out there, and that's where my path has led me to. And there's no better feeling in the world. Money can't buy this feeling that you get just from helping others who are less fortunate and showing them that people care for them, even whether they know them or not. And that's part of the mission with the whole Raider Nation is to do this as a fan base and be known for that, regardless of how we're looked at from the outside. Yeah, absolutely. And I, and I just, uh, I know that you also, uh, you do things like feeding uh, the veterans, right? You do uh, you, some of the charity work you do, as well as uh, I mentioned children with special needs, such as autism. Uh, I saw that you work with some students or individuals with, with cerebral palsy as well. Is that is that true? Yes. And, and like I say, it's, it's been an honor and a pleasure just to have met these youngsters, you know, young, young and old. But the vets, especially, uh, you know, my dad was a 20-year, uh, what do you call it, veteran himself. And I call him just a career Army guy, a paratrooper. So, you know, he was a little bit weird guy anyway. But <laughs> just to tell these guys thanks for their service, uh, you know, and, and, and over the years they've told me stories, you know, like, you know, they, they just appreciate us coming in. And we bring a car show and food from it's like buffet style. And they just enjoy the, the, the music that we bring. So it's like Christmas for them at, you know, at the VA hospitals. And uh, just hearing their stories, man, and just, you know, being thankful for people thinking about them. Like I say, I urge all of my followers and friends to get involved in giving back socially. It's so rewarding. And it's also that positive seed that I always speak about. That's the best way to plant that positive seed. Absolutely. Great, great stuff there, Wayne. Uh, I want to shift gears with you for just a minute. And I, I want to ask you a little bit about the current state of the Raiders. I mean, obviously you're a, you're a super fan. They come off the eight and eight season, got off to a really good start at six and three. Most of us thought, Hey, they're, they're, they're on track to make the playoffs, but they struggled a bit down the stretch. Uh, could you just give us some of your quick thoughts on this past season and, and kind of what you think about the future? Well, the quickest thought and the very first thought is that we couldn't be there to boost our team on. I think a lot of those games would have gone the other way had the fan base been there, but due to the situation that is, we couldn't. So it was the strangest season for me in one. That's the first season in almost 40 years that I've watched it via TV. And it just does not give you the same feeling as when you're there. Yeah, that's that's kind of another thought I I, I had for you. What I wanted to ask you about that, you know, uh, being such a being a a season ticket holder for for so many years. I know the last time we spoke, which was just after the 2019 season, the Raiders had finished up that that final year in Oakland. At the time, you were not real confident that. Uh, you know, you'd, you'd be out there in Vegas or you weren't sure how often you'd be out there. And of course, as you mentioned with COVID this year, the fans weren't, weren't allowed at Allegiant stadium. Where, where do we current sta- currently stand with you? Uh, if next season, let's say fans are allowed, can we expect to see the violator from time to time out in Allegiant stadium? You can definitely expect to see me there. God willing. Now here's the deal, Evan. I don't have season tickets, you know, for the first time, like I say, the first time in 37 years. Uh, but I will be attending on a game-by-game basis by any means necessary, and I definitely 
intend to start stumping the yard in Las Vegas. Good to hear, because it, it just wouldn't be the same without you, Wayne. So make sure you uh, make sure you can get out there once in a while. I'd love to see you out there. Uh, another question for you. Did you have a chance to see the ESPN 30 for 30 film last week, Al Davis versus the NFL? Being a you know, lifelong fan of the team like yourself, I'm sure that you you recall a lot of the, the power struggle that went on between Al Davis and and the league and, and the commissioner, Pete Rozelle. You, know, you probably remember that stuff really well. What, what did you think of the film if you saw it? I actually didn't see it because I was uh, in Tampa, you know, as a guest of Ford, the Ford Motor Company, and we were we had a an itinerary that really didn't allow us uh, much time to catch, you know, the events on television. But uh, I'm sure it would be replayed. And like I say, I I personally remember all of those moments. And uh, you know, my hat is always off to Al for being an innovator. And I kind of look at myself the same way as far as what we do as fans. Uh, not saying that I started all this madness, but it's a way of showing a different side of you and showing that levels of fandom. Because fandom comes in different layers, just like an onion. And uh, to be well out there on that extreme rim, it may be too much work for some, but for me, it's, it's, it's just as ritual as tying up my shoes every day. Yeah, well, well said, well said. Uh, I've just got one more for you, Wayne. I was thinking about this. You know, you've been you've been such a loyal fan uh, for for so long, and I'm sure that you have seen a lot of great games, not only in person, but you know, you probably have witnessed some of these games on TV as well. And there's been so many great teams over the years. Do you, do you have a favorite player or or maybe a favorite season that stands out to you over the years? Well, I can name a favorite season. Uh, the 2002 season. Uh, as far as players go, Evan, I get asked this all the time, and I hate to give the same generic answer, but I don't single out any of them ever because they wear the shield, they're brothers to me, and I love them all. Well said again. Very, very good. Wayne, thanks so much for uh, joining the show. Uh, I, love, I love chatting with you. And as I said, congratulations on uh, being selected to the Ford Hall of Fans. And I really do mean it when I say I, I appreciate everything you do for, for the fan base. And, uh, you know, you represent us well. Keep up all the great work, my friend. And uh, I'd like to talk to you again sometime down the road. I appreciate that, Evan. And I just wanted to say about this victory, it's not mine alone. It's the entire Raider Nation's victory, and I think they know that I feel that way about them. So it's our victory. So I look forward to seeing as many as possible in Canton in August, and let's make it official. All right, that was our guest, Wayne Mabry, the violator, fresh off his induction or, or his uh, selection into the Ford Hall of Fans. And just a uh, you know, great guy, just an awesome guy and all the stuff that he does with his uh, charity work and really happy that he got the recognition that he deserves uh, for so many years of being such a, a devoted fan uh, of the Raiders. And, um, you know, I hope that maybe fans will be allowed to go out to Canton this summer when they have the enshrinement ceremony because it's going to be a big, it's a big year for the Raiders, right? Charles Woodson uh, was inducted or will be inducted as well as coach Tom Flores, uh, you know, long awaited, but it's finally gets, gets the, the, uh, the call to the hall of fame along with Wayne Mabry. So it's a, it's a big year uh, at the hall of fame for the Raiders. 
All right, that is going to do it uh, for this week uh, here on Just Pod Baby. Thank you, as always, for tuning in. Leave me some feedback with a rating and a review. Hit me up on Twitter as well at egroat5. Give me a follow. And make sure you click the subscribe button here on the podcast. Have a great weekend, everybody. Stay safe out there. And as always, just win, baby.